This is Ignite. Good afternoon, Ignite Church. Come on, where's the excitement? Right? You're in the presence of God. You know, the Bible says in the presence of God there's fullness of joy. Good afternoon, Ignite Church. How is everyone doing? Yeah, you are looking, you know, colorful, handsome, beautiful, right? Don't hide the glory of God. Come on. Tell somebody next to you, you're looking good. Guys, don't be afraid. Say it. I know the person sitting next to you is again, you're like, yeah. Tell the person next to you, you're looking good. Yes, yes. Um, welcome to everyone joining us online. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you're able to join us. You had so many options um, available to you, but you chose to connect with us here at Ignite Church. We appreciate that. We don't take it for granted at all. So God bless you. And I'm very confident that the grace and the power of God in our midst today will reach you wherever you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, blue team, all I would say is um, just tell everyone not to rejoice over you just yet, right? You know, you serve a God of possibilities. We'll go again next year, right? Amen. Uh, today we're going to be speaking on um, a topic that some of us may already know, right? Um, but it's, it's not um, to remind ourselves, it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not bad, it's actually encouraged, right? Um, and, you know, I'm very confident that some of us will learn something new as well that will revolutionize our relationship with God. And the topic we're looking at today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, is understanding the new birth. Understanding the new birth. Um, this is a very crucial uh, part. If you, you know, uh, uh, if you are a Christian, is very child of God. This is the basis for anything we do in the kingdom of God. Our new birth, right? If you're not a child of God, if you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not experienced the new birth, you cannot call yourself a Christian. Uh, and the Holy Spirit will help us as we explore this topic, and it will open up His word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, our text is from the book of John, John chapter 3. I'm reading the New King James Version. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, Nicodemus here is a ruler, um, he's, he's actually a teacher, very serving when it comes to the law, right? Um, but he saw something different in the life and the ministry of Jesus that he was not able to replicate by following the law. So he came to Jesus by night to inquire of him, like, what is, what is it exactly that you are doing differently? The signs, right? You know, we can see here in verse, verse 2, it says, no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus recognized that something is different. Let's observe Jesus' response in verse 3. It says, most assuredly, I say to you. So what Jesus is you know, saying here, most assuredly just means there's no other way around it. You know, there's, no, there's no escaping this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A lot of people use the word, you know, born again, you know, I'm born again, I'm born again. Um, but they don't actually understand what it means. Um, right, you know, out there in the world, or you're talking to people, you're trying to witness to them, they tell you, oh yeah, you know, I'm born again. But when you ask them, like, okay, what exactly does it mean? They cannot explain it. And the thing with, you know, ignorance and not knowing exactly what being born again means, not understanding the new birth experience, is that the devil can take advantage of us in that area. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Any area you are ignorant in, we are opening the door for the devil to oppress us, right? Because the devil, Satan, is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness. He rules by ignorance. Um, even though like, you have everything, Jesus Christ died, right? He died and he credited all the blessings by fulfilling God's law. Jesus Christ was, no sin was found in him. He died on the cross, right? And God credited Jesus' righteousness to us. And with that comes some certain benefits. But if we don't have an understanding of it, Satan can still keep a Christian limited as a result of that. Um, an example that I remembered um, when I was preparing for this is um, when I was still a student um, in, in the UK, in, in England, after my exams, um, myself and one of my friends, we started to go to the park and just you know, have fun, right? So we went to a park called um, Top Park. It's, it's comparable to uh, Wonderland, right? So we got there that, you know, that day, and it was very busy. Even to get in, there was this long queue that people were waiting for hours and hours. So while we were on the queue, it was moving. You know, we got there around, I think, 10 o'clock, and we were still on the queue to get into the place. By you know, 11.30, we were still there. Somebody walked up to us and said, um, do you want to move to the fast track lane um, for an extra fee, right? I was like, yeah, of course, we'll move. So for sake of you know, discussion, like, I don't remember exactly how much it was, but let's just say 10 pounds, right? So we moved, got to the front, got our tickets, and we got in. But our assumption really was that that $10 you know, was to fast track our entry into the park. So we got to the park, and what we experienced outside was even worse than what was inside, right? We found ourselves queuing up two hours for like a 60 seconds ride. So at the end of the day, I think we were able to do like three or four rides. But on our way home, we found out that each queue, like and when you get to a ride, there's a queue. And then to somewhere around that you see um, a lane for, uh, it's called fast lane. So the tickets we had on and on qualified us for that. But we did not know, right? We just assumed, like, hey, yeah, what we got, what we paid for was just to get us in. So even though we had the tickets that entitled us to the rights and the privileges, we could not benefit from it. Why? Because of ignorance. And that's exactly what happens, right? You know, in, the, in, 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 in Christianity, the same thing happens to us. So there are Christians that are living way above their potential as Christians. You know, some people would get to heaven and they would weep just, you know, finding out what they could have been enjoying here on earth. That they were not able to because of ignorance. Ignorance limits us from experiencing the full benefit of the new birth and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Second Corinthians 2.11 tells us you know, how to escape or how to prevent Satan from 
taking advantage of us. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. So what do you and I need to do? It says, we are not ignorant of his devices. So for you and I not to fall prey to Satan, we must not be ignorant. Tell your neighbor, you must not be ignorant. You must not be ignorant. Not being ignorant, equipping yourself with knowledge and understanding in the things of God is the only defense we have against Satan. Because God has given you the power, has given you the authority, but if you don't know where you are seated in Christ, you will not be able to exercise that authority. Ignorance is not bliss, right? You know, someone says, someone says uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. It is not. What you don't know or what a person does not know can actually limit their destiny. And we can see the practical example of that, right? Um, the real world example was uh, in 1863, was when um, the, the president of the U.S. then put an end to slavery, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Um, he put an end to slavery. However, some of you know, those that enslaved people were still able to keep them working for them unlawfully. And how were they able to do this? By hiding the knowledge from them that they are free. They were able to keep them unlawfully working. And that's what the devil tries to do to us, right? When we are ignorant of our position in Christ, he pounces and takes advantage. That will not be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that anyone under the authority of my voice, if you're here in person, you're listening online, and you are in any bondage of Satan as a result of ignorance, that bondage is broken today in the name of Jesus. So you and I need to go back to the basics, right? That's how we grow. We need to, it, uh, uh, gone are those days where, you know, you abdicate responsibility for growing, for reading the word, um, for, 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 for growing spiritually to, you know, just the pastors or the leaders in church. We need to grow. If you're going to walk into the promises of God, if the promises of God are going to become reality, right, they won't just be something you read in the pages of scripture or something you observe in other people's lives and you're frustrated that, why is it not happening for me? Because you are not growing. You don't have knowledge in that area. If you have the same level of light that they have, you'll be able to access and enjoy the same level of things that they are enjoying. First Corinthians 14.20, New Living Translation, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. You and I cannot afford to be childish in our understanding of these things. It says, be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, right? So we should, you know, be far away from evil. But be mature in understanding matters of this kind. You need to invest in your understanding of the things of God. Again, ignorance is not bliss. You must be born again. That's a direct quote from Jesus. So we're going to explore like what exactly does it mean and what exactly does it not mean? Because a lot of people have bastardized the word, right? You know, some people just, you know, um, uh, they feel like you're not born again until you dress a certain way or until you speak a certain way, right? But we're going to look at what scripture actually says about the new birth. It says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See the kingdom of God means experience the benefits of redemption, right? Because remember, Nicodemus was talking to Jesus and he said in verse 2, in verse 2, he said, we know that you're a teacher come from God. How? For no one can do these signs, right? 
So these signs are reserved for those in the kingdom. So for you to see these signs, for you to experience these benefits, you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. So let's get into it, right? You know, we'll, we'll make it short and straight to the point. I know, you know, we have baptism right after this. Uh, big congratulations for those getting baptized today. Let's appreciate them. Let's thank God on their behalf. Congratulations. Very, very special day. You know, I remember when I got baptized as well, I was very, very excited. Um, and even spiritually, you know, your life will never remain the same in Jesus' name. So, Introduction. How can one become born again? One can become a member of a family by birth or adoption or marriage. Those are the three legal ways for somebody to become a member of a family. It's either by birth, right, by adoption, or by marriage. Galatians 4 verse 5, it says, God sent him to buy freedom for us. We were slaves to the Lord so that he could adopt us as his own, as his very own children, right? So he could adopt us. So we can become children of God by adoption. And the amazing thing is, uh, because of the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? We were all given birth, we were conceived in sin, right? But however, we have an option here because God sent Jesus Christ to buy our freedom by dying on the cross. And through that sacrifice of Jesus Christ is able to adopt us as his own children. Ephesians 5, 20, 30 to 32 also says, and we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. He's talking about marriage. He says, this is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are. So, God is telling us here that marriage, right, just, you know, as new birth, you know, means that we, are, we become one. We become a member of a new family. Marriage is the same thing. When a man leaves his father and his mother, is joined to his wife, and they become one. So, as, at new birth, our spirit becomes one with God. That is what happens. The new birth is the way you are born, adopted, and married into the family of God. So how that happens, how, you know, we become a member of the family, of God's family, is through new birth. And the condition for becoming a member is very simple. We can see it in John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. It says, but as many as received him, as many, right, as many, this is not reserved for some special group of people. To them, it gave the right to become children of God. Once you put your faith in God, you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you invite him, you accept him as your Lord and Savior, it automatically, on that day, a change happens in your spirit man and you become a child of God. It says, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the wing of the flesh, nor of the wing of man, but of God. A born again Christian is someone who has repented of their sin, turned to Christ for their salvation, and as a result, they have become 
a permanent member of God's family forever. So just as when a child is born, you know, a child is born, a new life comes forth, right? They become an, an entity in their own, right? Um, a new person in the flesh. Same thing happens to us in the spirit when we're born again. A new life in Christ Jesus comes alive in us, right? So that's why it's called the new birth, because a new life in Christ comes alive and it replaces our old nature of sin. God puts it this way in Ezekiel 36, 36 26. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26. If you can put it on the screen, please, um, NKJV. Thank you. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone. So that's what happens to us at new birth. You know, God gives us a new spirit. So what are the, some of the unscriptural meanings out there about new birth, right? Uh, the first one I want us to <laughs> look at is, you know, some people believe, you know, to be born again, it's about you know, being religious, right? Attending church, um, serving in church, giving, right? But no, I'm not a Christian because I'm in church today. That's not what makes me a Christian. The fact that you're sitting here today under the authority of my voice does not make you a Christian. Now, I hope that you know, you're here, you've come here today because you have a relationship with God. And if you don't, you know, that will that can change, right? And at the end of the service, we'll have an opportunity uh, you know, to make that decision. But it is not about going to church. It's not about being religious. Um, and this is one thing that a lot of people say, right? Um, on, on Thursday, um, I was here uh, for Voice of One. Now, how many of us came out came for Voice of One, either on Thursday or Saturday? Yeah? Yeah, let's appreciate God for all the souls that were saved. Yes, let's, you can do better than that. Yes. Salvation of souls is the heartbeat of God, right? You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is one of the ways you can seek his kingdom. You know, concern yourself with things that are dear to God and he will sort you out as well. Right, so if, if you haven't been part of it, it's ongoing. So, you know, don't say, yeah, you know, I'll do it next year. The registration does not close, right? So get in there, you can do it on the weekday. If you can't come on Saturday, uh, you can do it on Saturday. You know, if Saturday morning, come 9.30, go out, you're back, and you still have your afternoon to yourself. And it's amazing, right? Like, you know, for those of you that attended, afterwards, like, you, you felt there's this feeling that comes with it, right? Just, you know, knowing that you're part of, um, you know, something that is dear to God. And I will encourage you, you know, that feeling, don't just let it die. Apply it in your own personal life as well. Right, you know, talk to people when you get the opportunity, witness to them about Christ. Right? So, you know, when we approach people and we talk to them, the first thing they're quick to tell you is, Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I go to church. I go to church. I'm like, it's not about church, it's about a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? And they're like, uh, I'm not sure. But you cannot assume salvation. You have to be sure. Right? It's not about it's not about going to church. 2 Corinthians 5.10, NKJV, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, collective, we must all appear, right? And then it goes on to say that 
each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We all appear, but we would all give account individually. We will stand before God and give account of what we have done in this body. So it's not collective. So, you know, the only thing that matters on the last day would be your personal relationship with God. It would not be, you know, um, you know, if you attend Ignite Church or you attend some other church. No. Right? It's not going to be, oh, yeah, you know, Ignite Church, time for Ignite Church to get judged. Oh, yeah, everybody come. All right, what did Ignite Church do? No, it's not Olympiad. All right? It's not Olympiad where, you know, the judges sit down and they call, like, you know, red team, you know, time for match pass, right? And then you that come for practice, you didn't show up. Right? Um, you know, let's meet on Wednesday, you're not available. Thursday, you're not available. You know, on the charts, you didn't do anything. And then it's time to march. Everyone else is marching. Smart. And you, we don't know if you're doing a cultural dance or, you know, whatever it is. Right? And then the judges, you know, they give the score and everybody in the blue team, right, you get the same score. It's not like that with God. You must have a personal relationship with God. Serving God is good. Don't get me wrong. Serving God has its own benefit. It has its own reward. However, serving God, being the first person in church and the last person to leave does not make you a child of God. Right? Pastor mentioned in the first service, you may have even been born inside of the church. If you wake up and you sleep here, you wake up here, it doesn't make you a child of God. Right? You are in 15 departments in the night church, does not make you a child of God. Right? We come in there, we see you in traffic, and by the time we get to the door, you are there, you know, welcoming new guests. And by the time we enter the sanctuary, you are the one saying, oh, yeah, this is where to see you. are doing ushering. Right? Doing all of that is good, but it is not a replacement for being born again. And, you know, you might look at some people and you say, oh, yeah, you know, that person has a good art. You know, they do good things. They give to the poor. Actually, like, he, he or she actually gives, like, 90% of their salary, um, you know, to different charity and stuff. Well, do you want to know how God sees all those things? God actually sees good works without the new birth. God sees it as evil. Yeah. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 22 to 23. TLB, please. Thank you. Let's appreciate um, uh, uh, the service security team, please. Yep, they do an amazing job helping us here. All right, it says, At the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, this is on the last day, at the judgment, we told others about you. We went out for voice of one, right? We want souls. I went out as part of Ignite Church. We told people about you. Go on. I said, and used your name to cast out demons. It's amazing, right? You can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And it still doesn't mean anything if you're not born again. It says, but I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away. You have never been adopted into my family. I don't know who you are. Go away for your deeds are evil. Going out and telling people about God, is it, is it, like, I mean, is it good or not? Yeah? Casting out demons, right? It's, it's good. But without the new birth, if you're not in the household of faith, if you've not been adopted into the family of God, 
God sees it as evil. Number two, So, yeah, we've, we've gone through, like, we've read the scripture, right? You know, verse 3, it says, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So, whatever it is you do in the flesh, whatever it is you try, it doesn't count for anything without the new birth. Good deeds without the new birth is worthless in the sight of God. Number two, misconception about being born again is, some people believe to be born again means, you know, to keep the law, right? So, you are good, you are religious, you fast, you pray, you fast once in a week, you fast twice in a week, you fast seven days in a week. Although I don't know how you do that, but, right? I'm like, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm born again because I fast, because I pray. No. Romans 3.20 says, now do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. No one can ever be made right. So no matter how hard a person tries, it's still like a filthy rag in the sight of God. It says, the more we know of God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we're sinners. That is what the law does. It, it awakens our sin consciousness but it does nothing to help us in addressing it, right? It does nothing. The Lord tells us what to do, you know? The Lord tells us this is what God expects, but the Lord doesn't tell us how to go about doing it. The Lord does not have the power to help us, the power to do. So the willingness, the willingness might be there, you want to do something that is right, but the power is not there. The Lord tells us this is the standard, but you're on your own. Go and figure it out. This is what God is expecting of you. But how to live up to that standard, the Lord doesn't help us with that. Right? So, you know, even some people may be determined, right? They, they follow everything religiously. But the truth of the matter is you cannot do it 100% on your own. And the sad thing is, if you keep... 90% of the law, or you keep 50%, or you keep 10%, or you don't even make an effort. Again, they are all in the same class in the sight of God. James 2, verse 10. New Living Translation, please. James 2, verse 10. It says, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's law. Right? Trying to be your own savior is tough. It's impossible. So keeping the law does not guarantee, does not mean that you're born again and does not guarantee at all that you will see the kingdom of God. Right? So as New Testament believers, when you give your life to Christ, we are no longer under law, but we are under the grace. Right? And that doesn't mean the law, you know, the law is no longer relevant. It just means the law has been fulfilled in Christ. Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled all the law, died on the cross in our place, and credited his righteousness to us. So all we need to do is put our faith in God. We give our life to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us, 
and then we are now under grace. And what grace does is it empowers us from the inside so we can live up to that standard of God. That standard God expects from us. The grace of God is what empowers us to do that. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 um, to 12. I will stop at 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Verse 12 says, It teaches us to say no. See the difference? Right? The Lord will tell you, like, this is what needs to be done. Go figure it out. But grace of God empowers us to actually live that life, to live out who we are on the inside because our spirit is now one with God. The grace of God empowers us to live out that reality on the outside. The law of God is you know, the what, the what you need to do. The grace of God is the how you need to go about it. The law of God reveals sin. The grace of God forgives sin. The law of God indicates the problem. It tells you this is the problem, right? You know, you are not good enough. You are not righteous. But it does not provide any solution. The grace of God provides God's remedy, which is Jesus Christ. The law of God demands performance by man. The grace of God offers provision. That's why, you know, Christianity is not, uh, um, it's not a religion, right? If you, if you look at the definition of, you know, religion, and every other religion out there in the world puts the burden of salvation on the person. It is only Christianity that is different. All you need to do is put your faith in the finished work of Christ, and then the Holy Spirit will then start helping you to conform you to that image of Christ that you already are in your spirit. But every other religion, they have a like set of rules that they have to follow. If they break one, they have like you know, other rituals they have to do. They have to say prayer at certain times, you know, in a day, and you know, all sorts of weird things like that. The law of God is the standard. The grace of God shows us the means, helps us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live up to that standard. Is anybody excited they are under the grace of God? Yes, hallelujah, I am too. I am too, yeah, it's, um, life will be very difficult if you, know, you have to live under the law, right? And you know, some people are still doing that, trying to you know, say, okay, I will do this, I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, and then because I've read my Bible, I've prayed, um, then I know God will bless me. And the days that they're not able to keep up, they cannot even pray because they believe that God is not going to answer them. Again, that is the lie and the deception of the devil. Number three, misconception about being born again is by being self-righteous. We've kind of touched on it, right? Following the law and being self-righteous, they go hand in hand um, together. Philippians 3, verse 8 to 9, it says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. See, obeying the law is self-righteousness. But I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Right? I'm just going to give that there because I feel you know, that's very self-explanatory. Right? So, you know, some Christians feel that, you know, trying to be righteous through their own efforts, uh, um, you know, will get them anywhere. 
but the Bible says the best of our righteousness is like filthy rag in the, in the sight of God. So it's all pointless. Um, so another thing that we need to understand, so now we know what new birth is not, right? So the question you might be asking is, what is the need? Why exactly do I need to be born again? Why is Jesus saying, without a shadow of doubt, there's no way around it. To see and experience the kingdom of God, you must be born again, you know? Some, some people might be out there and saying, yeah, you know, I, I have not done anything wrong in my life. I've been a saint. I've been following like, all the rules and all that. Um, I don't really think I need that. To understand that, we have to understand the fall of, the fall of man through Adam. Um, if you read Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 15 to 20, or Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 8, we're not going to go into them right now, but you can read it. I'll just summarize it um, as well. So, with Adam, Adam... Adam was the head of the human race, right? He's the first man God created. He was the representative of man. God blessed Adam, you know, pronounced a blessing upon him to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So you and I, the rest of the human race was inside Adam. So the action of Adam affected each and every one of us. And to understand this, right, just like the head of a country, the prime minister, the president, right, can make a decision Right, sign um, or make an agreement with other countries. Uh, good example was during COVID, right? You know, when it was time to you know go on lockdown and they close all the borders. How many of you received letters from the prime minister to say, "Oh yeah, you know, um, James or uh, Sharon or Tongu or Toby, like you know, what's your opinion? Do you think we should close the border?" No, no, because he's the head of state, right? So whatsoever is he has the power and the authority to make decisions on your behalf, right? So, as a result of Adam's sin, sin came into the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all the people, no one being able to stop it or escape its power, because they all sinned. So how did this happen? How did Adam sin? Adam sinned because Satan was able to deceive Adam and Eve to believe the following about Christ. Satan was able to deceive. First thing Satan lied about was that God was a liar. Satan attacked the integrity of God. Right? Um, Genesis 2 verse 17. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Right, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So this is God telling them. This is the instruction, standing instruction that you know God has told them that of this tree, don't eat it. The day you eat it, you will die. It just means that you'll be separated from God. And the devil, Satan said, that is a lie. You know, the serpent east, you will not die. So, calling God a liar. Number two. Satan told them, deceived them, that God was deceitful and does not have the love for his creature at heart. So Satan deceived them, like, yeah, God doesn't really care about you. You think, you know, everything that he's doing here, he has an ulterior motive. There's something, you know, he's, he's not letting you in on. All these things, he says, oh, don't touch this, you know, um, it's for your own benefit. It's not for your own benefit. 
Genesis 3, 5. It says, you know, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. But that was a lie as well. Number three thing he said was that God is unfair. Right? So the devil was trying to tell them like, you know what? God is unfair. He knows that the day you eat this thing, you'll be, you'll be equal with God. You know, you'll be like God. But the truth of the matter is, they were already created in the image of God. They were already like God. And that's the same thing that Satan is still going about doing today, right? Just deceiving even Christians, right? You know, perverting the truth. And the only, as I said in the beginning, the only solution to that is equipping yourself with the knowledge and understanding of God, right? It has to be a personal responsibility. The notes, all the things Satan said about God to Adam and Eve were all lies, right? Satan is the father of lies. There is no truth, no iota of truth, not one in Satan. If you look at the scripture, it says, for the children of your father, the devil, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He, was always, he, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. It is impossible for Satan to tell the truth. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. He is the father of lies. And God is the exact opposite of that. Right? God is the exact opposite. Numbers 23, 19. It's not on my slide. If you can put it on the screen. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? If God has spoken, he will surely do it, guaranteed. God does not, is not able to, it is impossible for God to lie. So God has spoken concerning you this year that this is your year of possibilities. Don't let the devil cheat you out of it. I know this is no, it's August already, towards the end of the year. This is when people get weary and the devil is telling you, yeah, you know, you try again next year. No, no, there is still enough time for God to turn that situation around for you and he will do so in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. You cannot believe the lie of the enemy because trust me, whatsoever possibilities represents for you, you know, either in your job, in your career, in your business, in your academics, it is available in God. That is the truth. If he has said it, he would do it. He is not a man. He doesn't change his mind. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the almighty. God is not going to get to work and say, oh, wow, I know I said it's a year of possibilities, but I didn't envision like the economic, the economic downturn would you know, be this way. No. God is still committed to fulfilling his word concerning you and he will fulfill it in the mighty name of Jesus. So in conclusion, as, a born, as born again children of God, we can defeat Satan's lies. So whatsoever the lie of Satan is, because that's all he does, he's going around deceiving people. 
perverting the truth. Right? You're going for an exam, you've prepared, you've studied, and it's telling you, yeah, you're going to fail that exam again. That's a lie of the enemy. Don't, you cannot afford to internalize that. We can defeat Satan's lie with the power of God's living word. That's why the word of God must dwell inside of you, must dwell in you richly. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the earth. The word of God, friends, it is powerful. You have to speak the truth against Satan's lies. You cannot afford to keep quiet. You cannot afford to be silent. You have to get into the world. That's why it is, you cannot be a Christian and not read your Bible. You have to read your Bible. You have to study. You have to meditate on the word. Otherwise, you would, you would have nothing to come back with. When Satan is telling you all those lies, you know, you're gripped in fear and you're paralyzed. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So you have to speak. You have to speak. And this is not speaking, you know, speaking into the atmosphere or whatever nonsense, you know, is out there that say, oh yeah, just, you know, speak it into the atmosphere. It's going to happen one day. Or just think about it, you know, the law of attraction. No. The word of God is powerful. Even if it does not exist right now, the creative power of the word will go into your future and begin to shape that future for you. That's what you're doing when you're speaking the word. You know, have a wonderful future with a happy ending. You're not just speaking into the atmosphere, you're speaking the word of God. That word is going into your future and shaping that future. So that's why you cannot afford to be silent. You have to take that personal responsibility of being in the word of God, study the word, read the word. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. So God has sent his word to you that this is your year of possibilities, and he's saying here that that word will not return to him void. It will accomplish that which he has sent it to do in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that, you know, before even the end of this month, you will see the physical manifestation of the word of God in your life in the name of Jesus. Just as the Bible says in John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The word of God will become flesh. It will become physical, manifest. it will manifest physically for everybody to see. And everybody will praise God on your behalf in the name of Jesus. So you cannot afford to not read your Bible. And again, if you're here, you've not been doing, God is not angry with you, right? It's not, a, remember, we, we don't qualify for, you know, God's love or his righteousness based on what we do. No. You're righteous. You've, if you've given your life to Christ, you are in God's family. God loves you. Nothing can change his love for you. You cannot get out of God's love. That, that, that is settled. Reading the word Putting the word of God in your heart, meditating on the word, is for your benefit and it's for my benefit. Right? So is anybody committing to reading the word this week? Yes? Yes? So, 
let's do something quickly. You know, I've come to the end of, uh, end of the message, but I just want us to do, take one action, right? This week you're going into, uh, if you have a phone, just bring it out. Bring out your phone. I don't have my phone here, so I'll just use my, my iPad here, right? Think about the time that works for you that you want to read your Bible, right? This week, just, you know, don't think too far ahead. From today, Sunday, to next Sunday, pick out a time that you want to study, read your, I think it's one chapter a day, right? Just put a reminder on your calendar. It can be in the morning, it can be in the evening. Pick a time that works for you. If you're watching online, please, you know, do the same. Just, you know, take an action, put it there right now. Just, you know, put a reminder, this is when I want to read my Bible. Are we done? If you can make it, you know, the same, the same time of the day, right, throughout the seven days, it just helps you, it conditions your mind, you know, just something to look forward to, it builds a routine. For done, let's rest to our feet. So before we pray, I just want to give somebody an opportunity today, you know, if you're here, you've never experienced a new birth, you've never at any time in your life made the conscious decision to invite Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you did at some point, right? But you did not really understand it. Um, you've not been living a life that is pleasing to God. You've gone back to your old ways. God is inviting you back into a personal relationship with him this afternoon. He wants nothing more than to have that relationship with you, than to fellowship with you once again. Remember, Jesus Christ said, you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everything that God has said concerning you this year, you know, that this is your year of possibilities, it is available, but it is only available to his children. And I have good news for you. You don't have to do life alone. All right, all the frustrations, all the pain that you have experienced up until this point, God is saying, I'm your father, come home. Let us settle this matter. Let me turn these ashes you are experiencing into beauty for you. So if you're here, you're in person, you're online, just a 30 seconds prayer and that's it, right? That instant change we talked about happens in your spirit and you are adopted into the family of God. So if you're here, just put your hand on your chest. It doesn't matter whatever hand. If you're watching online, do the same as well. If it's safe to do so, just make sure you're not driving or operating any heavy machinery. And let's say the prayer together. Ignite church, please let's join them to say this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. On the third day, he rose again. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Give me, a, give me the grace to live my life in the way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this once that you have called back home. Father God, we pray today that the same grace that has saved them today and brought them home would 
help them and keep them rooted and grounded in you, even to the end in the mighty name of Jesus. As they have made this decision today, they will continue to experience transformation in their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' mighty name of prayer. Congratulations, welcome to God's family. Yes, let's appreciate God on their behalf. Congratulations. So if you said that prayer, congratulations. Just text the word saved to the number on your screen. If you're watching online as well, um, a link will pop up. Just click on the link. Uh, provide your information on the form. It's for us to send you some materials to help you get started as well and to send you some information. Uh, you know, to help you in this journey, right? So, you know, the next baptism, you can also be part of it, right? So all that information will be sent to you and God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the entrance of your word. Thank you for speaking to us today from the throne of grace. Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray, oh God, that everything we have heard, everything you've spoken to us today, through the Holy Spirit, Lord, you will give us the grace to be doers of your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you will help us, oh God, not to trust in our own efforts. Help us, oh God, to continue to put our faith and trust in you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we have made the decision today. Lord, to study, to remain in your word, to labor in your word. Lord, we ask by our own power, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you empower us. You will give us the grace to be consistent, the grace to be disciplined, Lord, to read your word in the times that we have set for ourselves today. Lord, we ask, oh God, and we receive that grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as we read, oh God, our lives, Lord, will continue to be transformed and we'll go from glory to glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that your word, every single word of your, one of your word will find fulfillment in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you the praise forevermore. For in Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Come on, Ignite Church. I appreciate God. Give God some praise.